What is up, fam? Welcome to the Mostly Normal Gamers Podcast, episode 54. I am one of your hosts, John Swanson. Today we will be talking about the Summer of Gaming's Next Gen Showdown, The Last of Us 2's record-breaking success, gaming's hashtag MeToo moment number two, and Amazon Game Studios' big step back to beta. Joining me today is my usual co-host, Mr. AJID. Hello. Sorry if I was yelling over stuff. I had to step away, so I just yelled and hoped it was at the right time. I think you nailed it. It was just a... Yeah, did you really? You weren't timing that on purpose? <laughs> I was, yeah, I wasn't by the thing. <laughs> oh, you killed it, man. Yeah, you uh, just laid in the cut, sniped it. In <laughs> uh, that unfamiliar voice that you hear is Mr. Chris Stern joining us all the way from Madison, Wisconsin. He's still in Madison, though. So um, I'm really happy to be here. And, yeah, uh, we're happy to a, have you, It's a pleasure already. I, <laughs> I'm laughing Ooh. already, so that's a good sign. That's the point. Uh, first, we'll go through the lowdown. We wanted to give a special shout out to Mark Scholl. He is at graphic underscore underscore Mark. Hi, Mark. two underscores in between graphic and Mark on the Twitter. So many. He designed our Pride-themed logo for Pride Month last month, which was very cool. And I was envious of that. I'm sure he would have designed me one had I reached out because he's a super nice guy. I'm out there needs designing graphics. Uh, he does a killer job with all of our shit and uh, has been since the inception of this podcast, actually. So uh, feel free to reach out to him for any of your graphic designing needs. And he's not paying us to say that. <laughs> also, if you want to be part of the conversation, you can reach us at MN Gamers Podcast on Twitter. Or you can email us at podcast at mostlynormalgamers.com. Lastly, our website, and we keep having, maybe because I keep saying this, but we keep having people sign up on the mailing list, which is awesome, and have a list of y'all, and sooner or later we'll think of something to do with it. Our website is alive. It is alive and well. Perhaps a little bit outdated already, even though it's only been live for a couple months, I think. But We'll be fine. The Rona will do that to you. Okay, so now let's get to what we are playing, and we will start with Chris, since he's the quote-unquote guest of honor. Chris, what have you been playing, man? I've been playing a lot of games, and uh, so I tried to scrub down just to like things that I have done in the last week or so, um, <laughs> and uh, I started Persona 5, the original, in 2017, after taking a nearly three-year break and putting 40 plus hours into it in 2017 uh restarted it when coronavirus started taking off and i am happy to report at 144 hours into this ridiculously long game uh, i beat it um and i i found um i don't want to get too spoilery with my thoughts on it just because it seems weird that my timing with beating the game is like around when people will be playing persona 5 royal um but it's got intense thematic resonance with the just entirety of the first half of 2020 um, in terms of youth movements and conversations around justice and revolution and whose justice are you fighting for, the justice for others or for the self. And, you know, I, I kind of 
regret the decision to take such a long break. Um, I tend to get sidetracked with games a lot. And if there are any longer than like 30 hours, I will end up playing something else before finishing them. Um, and so I, I didn't get to have those super intense emotional relationship connections with a lot of the characters that I know a lot of people praise the Persona series for having. But um, I did end up dating Best Girl Makoto, uh, and uh, there is payoff for that um, in a lot of ways. Um, but I, I was not super intensely emotionally moved by by the individual uh, side characters' stories, um, although I do think it is like the most stylish video game of all time. Um, and weirdly, that kind of gets touched on um, in a little bit of some conversations that happen with the characters in the ending um, but something that I was like, you know, since y'all don't know my gaming habits, I, I really do love turn-based role-playing games, especially Japanese role-playing games. I like came up on Pokemon and Persona is in a lot of ways, like, a M for mature angsty teenage version of Pokemon, but <laughs> Persona 5 just takes like menu-based combat or even like after I had beaten the game, I was sitting on the couch and it takes you back to the like the regular starting screen and it's got the best music. And when you navigate this menu, it's changing camera angles and bringing you to see different characters in silhouette. And the camera like slides and then like has momentum and slams and stops and like that's the way every menu in this game is. And when the entire game is spent navigating menus, it like really, really pays off and makes it feel amazing to play, even though you're really, really just navigating menus and clicking buttons to watch something happen. Like the, the aesthetic experience of it and the work that was put into the animations and the like design choices, like in terms of like visual design really, really make it, so that it's hard for me to want to go back to a game like Dragon Quest uh, 11 Echoes of a Starry Sky S on the Switch, for an example. Um, I don't think that's an actual Dragon Quest title, but um, just even though I adore that game, it just doesn't feel um, I'm going to use a cliche and overused word from games press, but like it, it's truly like visceral to navigate these menus in a way that other menu based systems just don't do um and that's kind of my main takeaway from it other than some thematic stuff about like you know how the narrative played out and i i'm gonna swerve on the spoilers just because of even though it's three years old it's also came out oh, this yeah. year sort of and and that's <laughs> the weirdest situation to be in with a three-year-old video game so um, so if i heard you right you resumed your 40 plus hour save from Persona 5 rather than playing Persona 5 Royal, correct? Yeah, I I had started it in March. So I think that was a little bit before Royal came out. I don't know the exact date oh, of that, yeah. but I definitely felt foolish. Um, but also, uh, I was, I don't know how often you all pick up long games that you haven't played, but um, every so often at like a chapter check point there's a, a notification that pops up on the, on the screen that says the story so far section has been updated or something like that and so i actually dug through the pause menu until i could find in like 
I don't know if it's like settings or uh, something like that, um, where it just like briefly summarizes everything you've done in the game so far to use that to get caught up to speed with what I had already done. And it was maybe not as in-depth as I would have liked, but it was definitely, definitely helpful to be able to like just jog my memory about like, oh yeah, like I did mess up that insert adult who's a jerk here because that's basically all of the dungeons in this game are going into the psyches of jerky adults um and uh i think it's kind of cool to have like an in-game story synopsis that way and i'm sure there's other games that do it but i i seldom do end up coming back to something that's this lengthy and get to take advantage of that so that was a really cool feature as well I considered getting Royal and uh, I'm kind of glad I didn't because to think about continuing for 60 more hours or so, I don't know if I was between 40 or 60 when I restarted, it just would be like a long, long stretch of playing more games. And I am hoping to uh, spice things up with some newer releases going forward for a while here. (laughs) Chris, did you play Persona 4 Golden? I did not, and let okay. me tell you, the the tantalizing release of that game on Steam. Oh yeah. During the PC Gamer Show, or whatever that part of this literally three month long pseudo E3 that we're inside of, <laughs> just immediately, immediately planted the thought that that game will eventually end up on Switch in my mind. Oh yeah. As if. Leonardo DiCaprio planted it there in the movie Inception and now I cannot get that idea out of my head and so as much as I'm sure my computer could run a very old PlayStation Vita uh, updated version of a PlayStation 2 game although maybe I shouldn't be that confident um, I I need it to come to Switch and I'm very very hopeful that that is something that will be um to to steal a term from the music industry beyonce dropped um during some sort of nintendo event this year because it seems silly that it would be released on steam and not on the other like biggest jrpg platform that i'm aware of yeah other than the fact that sony i don't know that sony has the rights to it entirely but i'm sure they allowed them to publish it through steam or on pc i don't i don't know man i i'm with you i hope it does because i played it on vita and i don't know i just can't i couldn't get into it i and granted i only gave it like eight hours which in a persona game is literally nothing um but i just jrpgs are really hard especially turn-based for me to get into because it's such a time sink man you're just into it for a really long time so that is definitely true. And, you know, uh, I think of um, anytime people talk about, oh, you just need to wait like X amount of time until it gets good, the way that people would always talk about, I think it was Final Fantasy 13, where they're like, oh, the battle system and the game, like they really open up like 30 hours in. Yeah, exactly. And to me, that was like a condemnation of like, maybe this game is just not, not for you. Yeah. Um, and that's as a person who loves Japanese role playing games and loves turn based battle systems. So if like on top of that, it's slow pace of like the narrative and the mechanics being introduced on top of the actual mechanics themselves not being very like interactive um, in a lot of ways, I could definitely see that being a barrier. And I generally speaking, like try very, very hard to get 
almost all of my RPG time in on portable systems. Um, I got super into the Dragon Quest games uh, from like college throughout my time as a young adult. And that was all because of the releases and re-releases on DS and 3DS of... Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I think the order was like 978 um, was how I really got into them. And I don't like sitting on my couch and doing 140 hours of grinding against monsters when I could be laying in bed or doing it during some downtime at work or something. Um, I find that way more my style of ingesting those sorts of really long experiences with um, less, you know, you can kind of pay a little bit less intense intention to what you're doing when you're just choosing an attack from a menu you know there's there's not usually a time limit to punish you that you need to react to and i find that to be like a really great portable experience um and so i did almost buy a vita and persona 4 golden um when covid hit <laughs> but then yeah. i was looking for them on amazon and i think they were up to like 330 dollars and i was like yeah if you're gonna I ask, used one on facebook marketplace for like 100 bucks i think so that feels like a deal compared to that. I yeah. um, and that's a great transition to my other game that was going for three hundred plus dollars on yeah. on Amazon's resale recently, which is um, I managed to uh, I have a very flexible work schedule and um, I played the game of trying to figure out when you can buy the game Ring Fit Adventure for less than three hundred dollars, which is a very hard game. It turns out. Um, yeah. And so I lucked out and just was closing out a tab on my iPhone in like Chrome and and was like, oh, like there's my little tab where I keep track of whether or not I can buy Ring Fit Adventure for the retail price. And as I was closing it out, it had updated to a different target location near me and said that they had them in stock. And I took off from work and drove and found that there were like three or four copies and one person was already checking out with one of them. Um, and so I am playing a fitness video game, which oh, yeah. is really, really interesting. It, <laughs> um, I tend to put in about 10 or uh, between 10 and 15 minutes per session with it um, at this point. I did go and do like a 25 minute session over the weekend. And I think um, as of this morning, it was like the 10th time using it, which um, I probably am doing it like every other day. Um, but it'll it'll build up a sweat, especially the 25 minute session that I did. Um, it tracks the time that you've actually worked out or been doing exercises as opposed to time like spent in menus and following along because um, I'm doing the adventure mode um, where uh, you get to choose the voice of Ring, uh, who is an uh, enchanted companion, who also is the manifestation in-game of your um, your resistance Pilates ring, which I ring, think yeah. is a Pilates item. Yep. Um, AJ and I both have played this game. I, I'm level 180-something, I think. Oh my gosh, I feel humbled by your intense exercise uh, Well, level. I've had it since like it pretty much came out, and I did it like... I mean, in the winter months, that was pretty much the, my only method of exercise. Now that it's summer, I probably do it far less frequently because I ride my bike and stuff way more often and I'm outside. But in the winter, man, that was and probably will continue to be because I still haven't reached the final 
dragon boss. You fight that no stupid ass dragon. I'm on world 21. Holy and shit. All, uh, and yeah, I still am going. I don't. I haven't looked it up, not because of spoilers, because I really don't give a shit. But <laughs> like, uh, I just am lazy. I guess I haven't looked it up how many levels there are. I thought yeah. there were going to be twenty, and then it just kept going. So to be completely honest, I don't even read what the story is. I just like wait until I'm jogging again and battling monsters. Yeah, that's that's pretty. Uh, I think that's a good way to go about it. Chris, do you find that you're because I. I kind of took a hiatus from exercise when my son was born just because of like time and energy. And this was like my first uh, venture back into it. And those first, like, it's an actual workout, man. Like I think people think it's just going to be a stupid game and it's not. So how do your muscles feel? I'm not going to lie. There are, there are, it's like noticeable, like post gym soreness. I also, um, in terms of like, just like strength exercise kind of have been on a hiatus. I got really into running. Um, and, uh, on a side note, um, found out that I have high cholesterol. So got even more into running because, uh, that's one of the ways that I think is supposed to be helping with that. You gotta um, get that HDL up, man. The only thing you can do that is exercise. And so, um, trust me, I'm as an doctor. example, I do trust you. <laughs> I, I, I very much trust you. Um, and so, uh, I, I found it to be like, uh, while it, like it, it strikes this beautiful balance for me of being a gentle on ramp. Like the first day I did it, I did it the night I got it. And then the morning afterwards. And I don't think I've had that many endorphins or that much dopamine coursing through my brain in years. I was in the best mood of my entire life. And I think I realized it's because like, Hey, yeah, like you're back, you're working out, you're getting that like fitness boost of joy, but also you get like all of this positive feedback from the sounds and the like positive reinforcement from this weird ring controller. And like everything in that game is just like meant to like encourage you and make you feel good. Um, and I found it to be really awesome. The question I have for both of you, since I know John, you're, you're a senpai now in the world of ring fit, do you <laughs> yes. find, um, that you're like getting reliable, good workouts from it, especially coming from a person who, you know, if I was being honest, I kind of like made up what working out was for myself when I was in college and then kind of dabble in it here and there, but like certainly haven't been to a gym since I think maybe in the last five years, I haven't gone to a gym. Um, and certainly when I did go, I was, uh, at that time, mostly just doing, um, stationary bike stuff. Um, and so yeah. I, I'm curious, like, do you find it to be like continually a challenging workout and something that you see as like a good source of, of kind of keeping healthy and getting that exercise in? For sure, man. If you, if you do it on the regular and you keep diversifying, which exercises you're doing, like, as you can choose, and then you get to pick more as you level up and that kind of thing. And then it keeps asking you if you want to increase the difficulty so you can make it increasingly more difficult as you go. And like I said, I've been riding my bike a lot more and doing stuff outside. And then today was the first day I was back to it, probably in a few, like quite a few days, maybe even a week. And it was, I did it for like 25 minutes and, or 25, 30 minutes. And it was, difficult like doing things that got easy for me were difficult again so i think it's 
especially if you mix up what uh, exercises you're doing and keep it diverse, you are doing, you know, the P90X thing used to always say uh, muscle confusion, which I think is a silly term. But if you think about it, you're if you're changing which muscles you're using over the course of your workout from week to week, I think that's been shown to be a more trustworthy method of getting in shape. So I don't know, man, I think it's, I think it's pretty fantastic. I will continue to use it after I beat it. Yeah. And that's the other thing is, you know, from being like in the spectator seats for this game for the last, I don't know how many months it, it did it technically come out in 2019. I, I don't remember, but yeah, it did. Um, yep. I, like in the last half year since it came out a little over six months since it came out, possibly like the fact that they added that rhythm game section, which I definitely made sure yeah. to check out the first time I played yeah. it. And I was like, oh, cool. Like the Breath of the Wild medley. And I'm yeah. playing a fitness rhythm game. And yeah, I'll cool. have to tell you all about my history with Guitar Hero sometime. But like, I love a good rhythm game. And like, obviously, that's yeah. not quite the same. But it's a really fun way to to kind of engage with three different things that are cool. Um, yeah, it being, reminded me of Beat Saber also, kind of, like, the the rhythmic nature of it and the way that you go about doing it as far as it, I've heard ring, or, uh, Beat Saber, I haven't played it a ton, but I've heard that can be a pretty intense workout once you get to higher levels and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. But, definitely, uh, definitely. Yeah. So, Chris, so, I'm really interested to hear about this Political Compass game, though. I've so, never heard of such a thing. Um, just like apparently everyone else who plays video games, um, I bought the uh, itch.io's bundle for, for racial oh, equity yeah. and justice. And I decided I, I wanted to try and work my way through it with maybe one game a week or, you know, if I end up um, checking out some bigger, you know, there's some indies in there that I think have more meat on the bone. Um, but definitely like looking at some of these games that are smaller or stranger seeming uh, games. And I, I work as a youth counselor and I was talking about political identity with one of my clients and had brought up, oh, have you ever done the political compass? Like yada, yada, yada. And then I was digging through, I think at the time that I, I saved this one to my computer, I think there were only like 25 pages of games to go through on the bundle before it hit like 60 pages of games um Jeez. and i i saw the most delightful video game name of all time um which i will try to read for you now but i <laughs> i think it's called um political Com compass devil's labyrinth which <laughs> between the name like that and the fact that i already owned it like there's little cell less left to do um, and so I, I ended up playing it and it's about a 23 minute long game, I think is how long it took me to play through a run of it. Um, similar, weirdly to Persona, it has, uh, it's built out in a visual novel engine. And so, um, my understanding it's one developer and then he got help or they got help, um, from another person with some of the programming. Um, so it's developed by Majestic 12 uh, with Python help from Buff Gaming. So the great names just continue to go. And um, the, the game presents to you uh, the Grim Reaper, the Angel of Death. And the, the Angel of Death, I think, is retiring and gives you the power to either eviscerate people or save them. Um, instead of dooming them, you are, are upgraded to evisceration. 
Um, I think it's damnation and then it gets changed to evisceration. Um, it's very tongue in cheek. It's very goofy. The art style reminded me of, I think it's like drawn to death or like whatever that David Jaffe game was where it was taking place in a school, school student's notebook while they were just scribbling out drawings. But like even super lo-fi and done in Microsoft Paint and you get to interact with delightful characters such as Bike Shop Gavin, Jojo Schumer, and, uh, you know, all kinds of other things. There's there's a lot of things that were drawn up for me in playing this game. Um, it did accurately pick my orientation on the uh, political compass, which I thought was really cool. I went and double checked what I would end up at uh, after doing the game by going to the, I think the official political compass website and uh, it nailed it. I won't tip my hand to anyone listening, um, but I, I found it to be kind of thought provoking and I didn't like that. I mean, there are some amazing animations when you choose to eviscerate one of the people who come and represent a certain viewpoint. Um, some, you know, like uh, it's very, very rudimentary, but it's like, a flip book style animation of of an exploding skull or something it's gruesome but it's it's done in microsoft paint style so it's not upsetting in any way um but i went back to kind of do the research on on the itch.io page for the game to kind of figure out who developed this kind of all this other stuff and a commenter kind of pointed out that in their view um the game is meant to be post ideological and wants you to realize that like condemning people for any ideology uh, and or assigning yourself an ideology is pointless. And that's why the way that you kind of say, I don't agree with this is you kill the person in the game. And I struggle with that a lot. I think it's a provocative, it's, it's a really kind of out of the box perspective to bring to a, to a game. But I also found it frustrating because I think in labeling the game, the political compass devil's labyrinth, if you, if you go into it the way I was to try and honestly touch on, Hey, I want to know what my political compass outcome was, especially since it, you know, reliably gave that to me, which I think is really cool. You're forced to do this act of violence on these fictional characters that you maybe interact with for all of a minute at most. Um, just to kind of try and get an idea of what their political representation is meant to be and then decide if you uh, give them salvation or evisceration. And I think that's challenging. I I love that it's made by mostly one designer. Um, I would love the chance to, you know, interact with Majestic 12 and kind of pick their brain about their thought process behind it, not knowing how accurate this commenter was. But I enjoyed it. I'm glad that I played it. It definitely has a very lo-fi, like self-made feel to it, which is something that I'm not used to exposing myself to in games. I certainly tend to do like more um, prestige indies and and mainstream AAA games when I'm playing video games. And so um, I overall, I'm glad that I played it, but I'm left with a lot of questions uh, from it. Cool. Well, that's interesting, man. I also partook in that that bundle or whatever. So I, I like your idea of trying at least one of those games per week. Cause I've heard a lot of them are pretty short. Um, yeah, maybe I ought to try that too. 
Yeah, and you know, hey guys, my girlfriend's oh. after me about she's having trouble with the dinner that she's in the middle of making, and yeah, I have to go help her with touching meat. This sounds funny, but she won't touch the chicken. Can you guys finish? I just gotta run. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No worries, man. All right, no yeah, problem, I'll, all right, I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> um, those are the games I've been playing. I. I'm really excited to dig into the itch bundle just because it reminded me of that feeling of going to a used game store and like digging through the bargain, bargain, bargain crates and just being like, this game has cool art and an interesting title or this one character looks really cool and being able to check that out. And it's, it's great to like already have been bought into such a large amount of games um, for a good cause and then be able to kind of, re-experience that feeling again which i i haven't i literally haven't had since i was a kid for sure anyhow yeah. what have and you been playing John? so who gives a shit um <laughs> primarily i've been playing i finished hotline miami if i didn't talk about that last week we recorded so early last week because we were lucky enough to have gary wood on and so i can't recall if i had beaten the game at that point or not but man between it so hotline miami are you familiar with that game chris I have not played it myself, but I, I know it by reputation and some yeah. really awesome gameplay videos that I've seen. It's super stylish uh, and uh, ultra-violent game. That was my familiarity with it also before I played it. And it's certainly, it definitely harkens back to the 1980, like it's staged in 1989 Miami, and the art style kind of depicts that time in gaming. It's very 8-bit, and the inputs and also the AI and stuff are, I mean, they harken back to that time era very well, And it, but it is super violent, and it's about revenge, which, oddly enough, The Last of Us Part Two came out, which is also, I don't think I'm spoiling anything by saying that game is about revenge and how... Basically, an eye for an eye makes the world blind. And while I thought Hotline Miami was a good game, I I don't think I will. I, I have the second one also, and I'll probably go play it at some point. Maybe when life is a little bit happier in the macrocosm. But for now, it was uh, it was it was super fun, man. It's very it's just like uh, you know Celeste, where you die and you're immediately back to where you were. Like you just start right over again. And I, I love that. That's one of the best things about a game to me because it keeps you engaged constantly. And it's so much harder to put a game down when you're immediately back into the game. Um, after I definitely agree with that. I have a hard time with some platforming games sometimes, but universally, if it is something like Super Meat Boy or something like Celeste where you're immediately back into it and like ready to retry the thing that just screwed you up, I have a way better time with the game in terms of difficulty and like being willing to put myself through that level of pain over and over again to get through to the outcome so i'm sure that would be awesome in that game too yeah and then i've been on my vita that which is where i played hotline miami i've also been playing a lot of other of the rat alike games because i'm not sure if you know this chris but i'm a trophy whore so any of the rat alike games that uh, there was a sale like a couple weeks ago or maybe last week, and I picked up like five games and am busy unlocking the trophies on my Vita. There have been actually a couple of good ones, which I won't go into too much detail, and actually I'll maybe summarize it next week 
when I perhaps have more time to write up some notes and stuff. But um, there are some good ones on there, you know, that you buy for like $2.50. It's kind of like the itch.io bundle where you're, there are some hidden gems in there, you know. I think it gets a, rather like it gets a bad rap for just having trophy whore games. But there are some really good games in there from time to time. So um, I'll talk more about those next week. And then I've been playing uh, The Last of Us Part 2, which is, it's it's tough, man. I messaged AJ earlier today. AJ had to take a break for a minute, but he'll be right back. Uh, And um, it was... I messaged him earlier because I just reached this point where I like each part is just like fuck man why did it's like a point where I almost like threw up like I was physically sick not because of the not because the violence was so graphic but rather because the display of inhumaneness was so disgusting that I just like it's it's to a level that it reaches a point where I'm just like I can't handle this anymore right now and I need to turn it off and come back to it later and it's not to say as far as a game goes it is what you would expect from a Naughty Dog game it is exquisite it's like the pinnacle of what the PlayStation 4 can do it's beautiful it's the gameplay is fantastic the sneaking around they have different like tall grass and short grass, but you can go prone now. And uh, so it's very stealth heard it compared to uh, Metal Gear Solid Five frequently. And I could definitely see that. I think Metal Gear Solid Five is a better game from a gameplay standpoint, but um, only very slightly. Naughty Dog's come a long ways in developing this game to be better than The Last of Us Part One was. But, uh, Welcome back. back. Hey man, I was I just did the, talk, I did talk. the dirty work. Nice, you touched the meat. <laughs> I touched the chicken. Nice, <laughs> you did you did the wet work. Yeah. Speaking of gruesome stuff. <laughs> yeah, I was just talking about how Last of Us Two Part Two. I played and messaged you earlier how I'm just kind of like I was getting physically nauseated about the what part what takes place when you reach the aquarium. Yeah. Uh. Like the scenes after that, I was like, I have to put this down for a minute. I'm like, I was thought I was maybe gonna throw up a little. So, uh, Dude, I look I, away. I look away from that game a lot, even when like I'm just fighting. Like, like when you have to sneak up on someone and kill them, because like, oh the, yeah, like the animation for like the stealth kill takes so long and it's so gruesome, and they're like choking yeah. on their own blood every yeah. fucking time. So I'm like. All right, I gotta kill this person. And then I like kill him, and I like look away from the TV for a second while the animation yeah. goes down. And I'm like, it's, all right, I'm good. Like, I, uh, I guess I don't know what that means though about me. Like, I'm definitely not desensitized fully. I guess, which is a good thing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, and I thought that like the coughing on bl- and the way that she like you know takes people's throat out, man, is just fucking brutal. Yeah, like, yeah, it is. It's fucked up, man. And it just, like, I can't handle it for long periods of time. I And I was just saying, the game play is fantastic, and, the, like, it's the pinnacle of the PlayStation 5 is what I was saying. So, anyway, I, 
I had already said all this, but yeah, no, uh, you're good. I was listening to a, there's a official Last of Us podcast out right now, and uh, anybody's hosted by Christian Spicer. Yeah, Spice Man Spicer Adamus from Five by Five's DLC, one of my favorite voices in the games industry. Right on. Um, he is, and they the first three episodes I think three were about The Last of Us Part One, and just thinking about that game, and I don't want to spoil any of it, but the interactions that Joel and Ellie had throughout their like adventure across the country with other characters in the game were so much more interesting to me than the interactions that any one character has with any other characters in this particular game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to say it's a better game. I haven't finished it yet, but I'm reaching the point where I'm like, oh, please be done soon. Not yeah. And again, not because it's bad, but just because it's so goddamn harsh to play, but... AJ, what did you you finished it already? So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, well, you I know talk. we're I know we're getting a little bit long here. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I did this to myself, but I went straight from The Last of Us Two to Life is Strange Two, which is just kind of another like social commentary on with a lot of like what's going on in the world right now too. Like there's some like racial implications and stuff like that, and it's kind of been like really depressing so far. <laughs> so I went from like brutal murder sadness to like i don't know real life like depressing world sadness like all yeah um but i will say like it, it's really nice and and fun to play and and it's very relaxing compared to you know the last of us because in life is strange too you're just walking around and you know a lot of it is just looking at stuff and reading things and uh you know the guy like narrating like oh this is my baseball that I played with back when I was a kid or whatever, like stuff like that. Um, yeah. And that's on game pass, right? It is on game pass, which is how I'm playing it. And it has the whole entire, I don't even know what you call it. Catalog. Like every season of it is on there, which is nice. And it does something that I don't, I haven't seen many games do. It actually tells you between chapters one and two to stop playing it and go play the awesome adventures of Captain Spirit, which is by the same developer, don't nod, but like how many games do you see like tell you to stop playing them <laughs> ever? You know what I mean? I thought that was kind of funny. Like, wait, you're telling me yeah, to stop playing is, this game? <laughs> is that part of the is that also on Game Pass? It's no, but it's free on at least the Microsoft store. Oh, I don't know okay. if I don't know if it's free on everything. Uh, Wasn't yeah. that I think it, the, they put that out as the free promotion before yeah. they, the they Second Life is Strange came out. So I think it's probably been free. I think okay. that's really interesting. It reminds me of, um, for some reason, I'm getting like when you read like a choose your own adventure book and the book yeah. is like giving you instructions. Yeah, it is kind of like that. And it's also kind of cool because, I don't know, there's just like a tiny little Easter egg at the end of it that. Other than that, like, really didn't doesn't have anything to do with Last of Us 2, so... Or, I mean, Life is Strange 2. It's hard to talk about those. They're kind of similar sounding yeah. when you're trying to talk. And deal with <laughs> political things or, like, yeah. the socio-political issues in the world right now, but... And just similar uh, mouthfeel. Yeah, you know? that's true. Yeah. <laughs> they both end in two. So, yeah, yeah. I don't think <laughs> enjoying it so far. I've only made it to the second chapter of Life is Strange 2, and I completed the tiny bit of uh, the awesome adventures of Captain Spirit, which was pretty cool, too. 
And those those are kind of like a uh, I don't want to say a walking simulator simulator, but like Walking Dead or like a Telltale game, right? Where you're kind of more it's more like a type game than it is like a yeah. Action. It is when you use the yeah. superpowers, it's like hold trigger and then press the button, <laughs> and that's yeah. like your your and it does the thing right, yeah, for you. Yeah. But yeah, what do you say? Wait. Say we talk about some news here. Yeah, let's do this. We got a few stories here. The first we will go with was the Next Generation Summer Rumble. There's a few stories here by Eric Van Allen, not Van Halen, which would be (laughs) badass. Um, He's over at US Gamer. Apparently, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but PlayStation and Xbox are kind of competing, and I guess they're both coming out with new consoles this year. Have you guys heard anything about this? I don't know. <laughs> no, this is the Joking. first time I'm hearing that, weirdly. <laughs> but Xbox is kind of like rejuvenating the Xbox Live Arcade, if you guys remember that, from, fuck, man. I think I was in pharmacy school. It was like 2007, so like 13 years ago. You made uh, me feel very young just now. Yeah, I was going to say, Chris might have still been in diapers. I'm not sure... Uh, no comment. Uh, <laughs> um, but apparently they're releasing 60 demos, which is hardcore, man, because I remember Xbox Live Arcade, like there was a lot of shit, and that was a lot of fun for a lot of people, but 60 demos is just insanity, and I'm looking at some of these. I know Skatebird was on there, oh, which yeah. I'm looking forward to. The Destroy All Humans, which is, I'm not sure if that's a remake. There's a ton more, but... Anyway, Xbox out there trying to fucking get this shit going. And apparently they'll run this from July 21st to the 27th, which is not... Maybe that's when it's going to start? I'm not sure. But that's not enough time to play those games. The other thing today that came out was PS4 and PS5, they showed their indie showcase, or not an indie showcase, but rather nine indie games that are coming exclusively, at least probably time-limited, to PlayStation. And these were shown throughout the day today. And my main question, in anger, I asked, who fucking has time to sit around and watch these nine games come out? And my question remains the same, because they're releasing 60 game demos in the course of six days and expect people to fucking play them. <laughs> I, need a, I need to retire already, man. But uh, <laughs> did you guys take a look at any of these games? I see there's a Worms game, which I fucking love me some Worms. Have you guys so, ever played Worms? I hope you like Battle Royale games and not turn-based Worms, because apparently it's going to be a Battle Royale Worms game, which, frankly, like, immediately upon hearing it, lit my brain on fire, because that sounds amazing to me. Yeah. I fucking um, hate Battle Royale, but I love Worms enough to try it, dude, for sure. Well, like, I can just see, like, it's one screen. You can see all the Worms at once or something. Like, it just, like, it's beautiful. It's so, yeah. it's it's almost the same as when Tetris 99 got announced. And I was like, what do you mean Tetris 99? <laughs> like, like exactly. it's like, of course, how do you not make Worms into a Battle Royale was my reaction yeah. to it. Which is such a weird thing, because, like, I mean, I love Apex, but, like, I, I haven't even been playing that. I played it for two months when it came out last year and, and kind of fell off. But it, that stood out as a really, really cool-looking game. I am curious to see how the gameplay gets adjusted when they kind of take away that turn-based element from it. Yeah, and the, I mean, 
and I'm not just trying to be funny here, but the slow animations of how the worm moved. <laughs> like, you, do you remember, like, the original games? You could move, like, three spots, and then you had to fire your weapon or whatever? Yeah, like, exactly. Or you had a certain time limit on some of the modes or whatever. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to see that. And then there's a game called Fist, in which you're a badass-looking rabbit with Dude, a I giant was just looking at that, and animal what a, thing. What an awesome name for a game, too. It just sounds badass. Yeah, Fist. it does. How is that not taken already that's amazing. i don't know forged in shadow torch yeah oh and it's a fucking 2d side scrolling you know i'm fucking all over that oh, dude that's funny because i had like the opposite reaction i'm like oh <laughs> i'm really oh, yeah. really vibing off of these character designs they're yeah. really cool and it looks like it starts next july or not no it is july now Today's July oh 1st. my goodness! I Give me this gameplay right about, now. It's on July first, Wednesday, July first. So um, this fist game is giving me like brawler vibes mixed with like Ninja Gaiden, like the Xbox Ninja Gaiden. Yeah, it from looks Team Ninja. Cool, that dude. looks so cool. I want to know when that's coming out. Um, uh, one that stood out to me just from the art style and description alone is this game recompile which i yeah. for the first time in my life saw the phrase metroidvania like which is somewhat redundant but i'll i'll take it i don't know if that was someone reporting on it or or where that wording came from um <laughs> I know what that means <laughs> an exploration based hacking platformer is the description um it's got a a camera angle that it's moving behind the character and then also is side scrolling but um, it just has this like it's your your characters like this really cool series of like bright light dots and it looks also to kind of have like some kind of kinetic gameplay in the side scrolling aspect. I, I'm really loving like it almost reminds me of um, very different like tone but like inside where it had kind of like dark backgrounds but then had like pops of light or different colors to kind of offset it and it definitely has a lot of that like really like intense color iconography to yeah to kind of indicate different things i feel like so it's very it looks tron really oh good call good pull yes very very tron adjacent yeah and i'll take that any day dude between that and that in when playstation 3 was like trying to play catch up with xbox 360 they were like the place to play indies and that was so much fun because like every fucking it was like the switch basically before the switch was out because every time anytime you wanted to play an indie game the playstation 3 was where it was at and i'm really hoping they can kind of rekindle some of that this summer leading into the playstation 5 for sure but yeah, yeah I, looks cool i agree we should move forward sorry there's a Get whole forward. conversation to be sorry. had around around <laughs> the fact yeah. that they're finally acknowledging indie games at sony again that's like <laughs> un- unbelievable yep. to me that they could go in almost an entire generation of neglecting them but this looks great agreed and then last on the next gen ish kind of beat is uh jeff grubb is saying that uh, microsoft plans to unveil xbox lockhart in august which is right around the corner. I don't know, man. I, I mean, we were kind of speculating. We've speculated before about what exactly that is. And um, I don't know what y'all think. I hope, I don't, I don't know what I hope for. I, I, I got nothing. What do you guys want from it? Digital only Xbox, right? 
I didn't they already say that it's they already I thought they already released that it's gonna be like ten teraflops or I thought they already said a bunch of this shit before and that it's not gonna be like a like you're talking about like the Amazon thing that you plug into the side of your TV right or like a Google Chrome thing right um well no I was thinking more like the PlayStation 5 has its digital version but I mean that'd be sweet if it was oh I got the thing that goes into I see what you're saying like the Xbox Sade. Yeah. Like the all digital. <laughs> That's what I was thinking, but Yeah. So and I I don't think it's in this reporting, but I did read um somewhere on the internet that it's gonna be targeting ten eighty P instead of targeting four K. Um I think that was covered on a podcast I listened to recently. Um I was not able to dig up the news coverage of it that referred to that, but I think to me, I, I'm not sure if there's going to be a disc, a you know, a disc tray in this or not. I do think it's really interesting to say you can get the Series X, which is targeting 4K, versus like if you don't have a 4K TV or don't ever intend to get one, like here's something that will play your games at 1080p. And frankly, like that's kind of a cool option to have. My understanding is that it's supposed to still have the hardware for uh, doing ray tracing and things like that, but just um, you know being a little bit less powerful so that it doesn't uh need to output those 4k visuals and targeting more 1080p but i don't know who this is for i don't know either because if you have an xbox one x already or if you have a uh like aj just got one or i mean i have a launch one so maybe it's kind of for me but i'm not gonna just go by i don't know i don't know who it's for either i'm with you I, it would have been for me if I didn't invest in a 4K TV, I think, two years ago at this point. Right. Right. Um, well, and they announced, I believe, Microsoft announced that they're not going to have any Xbox Series X type and presumably Lockhart. So, like, next-gen exclusive games for at least two years. So everything's going to work on Xbox One until for at least two years. Which seems like a weird strategy to have in combination with this this Lockhart Series X system, right? Because yeah. if the idea is, hey, upgrade now because we have this this less expensive alternative or this less technically advanced alternative so that you can jump in and play these new games right away, like that would make sense. But if you're already in the Xbox ecosystem and you're already going to be able to play Halo Infinite the day it comes out on Game Pass on any Xbox One... I, I struggle to see the incentive to say I'm going to upgrade if you have two more years of Xbox Game Studios exclusives that'll still be required to run on last-gen hardware. Right. It's it just it seems very strange because they already have the One X. I feel like that's the introductory piece. And then if you... Yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I feel like if I'm going to get something in X, not a Lockhart, but I don't know. We'll see what it is, I guess. Next up, we got the Last of Us Part 2 roundup about a couple things, good news and bad news. Well, not necessarily bad news, but anyway, uh, it becomes the fastest-selling PS4 game ever, selling 4 million copies, I believe, in the first, like, three days, which Horizon was, like, 2.7, if I remember right. Uh, Spider-Man was, like, 3 point something. God of War was up there, too, in the 3 million-ish 
range. And then Last of Us Part Two, killing it with uh, four million. That's a lot, man. I I would figure Spider Man, you know, just because it's a Marvel game and more ubiquitously known, I guess, um, would sell faster. But here we are. Talk about an example of having a huge install base for your system and a strong marketing push and strong reviews and strong word of mouth really like combining in a perfect storm to create something that's like that's an incomprehensible amount of games sold. Yeah, so much for it not selling well during this uh, COVID time. I thought that was kind of, you know what I mean? Because that was kind of the, what we were suspecting, I guess. It's definitely not good vibes Animal Crossing sales happening, <laughs> you know? No, it's, it's not. It's the polar opposite so COVID game. It's, yeah. it's if you want to continue experiencing COVID during COVID. Yeah, because anyway. now, now that we're, now that I'm playing it, I'm kind of thinking like, I was thinking I didn't care, but I definitely think my mind is thinking differently like it it's not the right time to play this game for me at least apparently not everyone agrees with that um and because i forget to mention this is from cyan mayor over at bg247 and then as usual because um i guess your protagonist is a lesbian woman and people still give a shit about that there's kind of the usual political battles out there between people review bombing it and then discrepancy between critic reviews and user reviews, which I think happens pretty regularly when you have a game like this. It's not, I guess, who didn't see this coming, I guess. Yeah. So an article that I think is really, really, um, you know, to steal a phrase from kind of funny games daily required reading for this week, Patricia Hernandez at Polygon, who used to be over at Kotaku, wrote an article, The Last of Us Part Two has become a minefield. And it really lays out what, as a person who isn't playing The Last of Us Two yet, Last of Us Part Two yet, what the online discourse has kind of turned into is, is no matter what side you're taking for this game, it's a loss. Like, um, you know... Whether it's the review bombing, which is like such a classic tactic of of people just hating something and trying to do whatever they can to tear it down. But um, the thing that I found really fascinating from this article is um, Rob Zachney at Vice Games, a.k.a. Waypoint, um, wrote their review and and received pushback from Sony PR. And that's not a normal thing to have happen. There's kind of been discourse about how. Uh, the unscored reviews, whether it's Polygon's own review or that Vice Games review, maybe take a, a different critical take on the game as opposed to the scored reviews kind of being this universal positive um, yeah. in terms of the score, at least. And I think <clears throat> that's that's an intense conversation to try and dig into. So that's, I, I do want to you know highlight that there's some fantastic reading about how much of a shit show just even mentioning this game online has become. You know, you have... Uh, fantastically talented people who are in the uh, industry working on this game, feeling defensive and, and needing to respond to, to vague tweets about games being too long and, and things like that. And um, that's no shade at Troy Baker or anything like that, but uh, it's just a really fascinating article kind of digging into these, 
different elements of of tension around this huge, massive, successful piece of art, critically and commercially. Yeah, and I, I mean, I know I've listened to them talk about it, and also Maddie Myers wrote the Polygon article or the Polygon review rather, and she and Rob Zachney were talking about it, and they are definitely not very favorable on it, and I don't agree with what they say, but I'm not like. I'm not the type that's going to get pissed off about it because we all interpret it differently. You know what I mean? That's what a piece of art is, I guess. So, For sure. Uh, so I just love it. that the conversation doesn't have to be art, like people stamping their feet and saying video games are art, take us seriously, and we can move past that hopefully and start yeah. digging Talking in. Talking about our having, own interpretations of it rather than whether or not it is what it is. Yeah, having an actual critical conversation around it, which I think is a sign that hopefully knock on wood things are growing up in the games industry after 40 years. Well, let's not go too fast because, uh, and we'll cover this quickly because I know a lot of y'all probably heard enough about it last week, but there's a lot of new allegations regarding sexual assault and uh, harassment in the, not only the gaming industry, but um, as I mentioned in the intro, kind of a me too part two movement and this time it's kind of like things in this country seem to need at least two instances to be like no fucking seriously take us seriously like we mean that like this shit's bad and it needs to change because uh it seems like certain companies that weren't taking action such as twitch before are doing it now we pulled a story from us gamer from written by matthew olson regarding this but Chris, what's your take on it? You know, uh, again, it, it's been a, a story that's been in the news for, I think, two weeks now, and, and it continues to grow. I remember looking at a Medium article that was linking out just to compiling all of these uh, stories from survivors in one place. And I think at the time I checked it last week, there was maybe 200 entries on this spreadsheet that it links out to just compiling them and documenting them. Um, and you know, just solidarity for all of these survivors coming and speaking out and making sure their voices are heard um, to try and prevent it from continuing to happen to other people. That takes a lot of bravery and a just, you know, um, a lot of courage. So it's awesome to see. I mean, it's terrible to see, but it's uh, inspiring to see people kind of taking that risk to speak out against it. Um, kind of funny games. Uh, I know we've been mentioning them a lot in this episode um mostly because we're fans of them um they did a really good podcast about this and they just talked a lot about like just fucking paying attention and and getting better and and just being better and that's what i'm saying i'm gonna gonna be better yeah i i think we all could take i don't know i i speak for myself i guess but i look back at even five years ago shit that i was doing uh or saying and uh being like, fuck, man, I can't believe I actually said that or did that. Um, so I don't know. We're all a work in progress, but it's not an excuse, but it's all it's a impetus to get better. You know what I mean? And always strive for that. So um, definitely. It's good to know, remember that you can grow and, and improve. Yeah, for sure. We also pulled a story from Jason Trier over at Bloomberg about the Harry Potter game devs and how they kind of feel about J.K. Rowling and or the backlash regarding her recent transphobic comments and how that's going to reflect upon their, possibly reflect upon their game. I don't know about you guys. I love Harry Potter, but 
as the world, the movies, the books, I loved them uh, when they were kind of in the zeitgeist. That was, uh, you know, I have very happy memories of that when I look back on it. Um, So Mm -hmm. it's kind of sad that it's become the, not not Harry Potter, but it's too bad that J.K. Rowling has become what she's become afterwards. Well, yeah, and she's the literal fucking creator. There's not, like, a group of people who made these things. It's J.K. fucking Rowling who made this stuff. Yeah. And it sucks that she's doing this, and also horrible fucking shit that she's said aside like she's like a billionaire right like what is she doing like walking around on twitter i know like elon musk and stuff does it but like like what are these billionaires doing like going around tweeting anything like why aren't you out on your island like fucking i don't know drinking mai tais or something like why are you in here like destroying something that you created and and not even like taking the time to realize that you fucked up and and learning from it but like I don't know, just just putting this horrible thing surrounding such a beloved franchise just sucks, is, I yeah. guess is what I'm getting at. <laughs> Dude, I think, yeah. I mean, people fucking lose their minds when they become rich, like hyper-rich, I think. I, I know the guy known as Notch, who created Minecraft, kind of going, has gone fucking nutso on Twitter. I know, he, like you mentioned, AJ, Elon Musk has, and I'm not sure what it is about becoming hyper wealthy that kind of detaches you from humanity and thinks you are, have a rightful place to say these things, but it's unfortunate when it can ruin the creations that you've made. Dude. And imagine like, I don't know if this is going to ruin her entire legacy, but imagine they would have built fucking statues for her. Yeah. If it wasn't for like stuff like this, like, yeah, they would have exactly. fucking named libraries after her fucking, Ugh. Yeah, you could have had so much of a better legacy from Harry Potter, but now, it, and it taints it, man. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. when I, like, I was looking forward to when Guy was born three years ago to reading him Harry Potter someday. And then now I'm like, do I even want to do that? Because he, you know, he's inevitably going to write, ask about the author at some point in his life. And then what do I say? Like, oh, yeah, when you were a, you know, a tween or whatever, like when you were an adult, like young kid, I read you books written, that were written by a fucking homophobic transphobe. Like, <laughs> no, thank you. Like, I don't want to tell my son that. Like, what does that no. say about me? You know what I mean? So, and I'm not judging parents out there if you're reading your kid Harry Potter. I'm not saying that. I'm What I'm saying is it makes that choice rather than what should be like easy and something that you want to do to give your child the joy that you felt reading them. Like, it makes it more difficult. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's it's fucking sad, man. Yeah. Definitely. My oh. my one takeaway from this article that hasn't been touched on is there's a small portion of it where the the two developers that were anonymously interviewed for the article are insisting that she has very little to do with this game. Oh, yeah. She's very hands off. And and imagine a world where any other beloved ips creator was in a position where they were they were trying to i can't even get my head wrapped around it because it's so rare imagine the sales pitch around an ip being oh yeah the the creator of the ip has nothing to do with this game we're just you know she is very hands-off we are we barely interact with her on this like what does that say about how bad things have gotten you know like 
imagine a Lord of the Rings game that didn't have like the Tolkien. I mean, you know, hypothetically Tolkien's dead, but like, imagine like being like, yeah, Peter Jackson had nothing to do with Peter Jackson's King Kong. Yeah. We barely talked to him about it. Yeah. Um, we condemn his actions and can't do it publicly because we'll get fired. I've brought us into a pit of despair with this segment of yeah. news. I'm so sorry. Between well, between The Last of Us 2 directly into the bad <laughs> news block, we're just spiraling. I, uh, I did want to talk one last time about uh, evidence of Twitch actually doing shit with their people who are, what do you want to say, contrary, act contrary to their terms of service. What a legally precise way of putting that. Yeah, exactly. But they're finally putting their money where their mouth is, maybe. I know they said last time that they were taking action, but never we never heard anything that was taken, any action that was taken. I know fucking Dr. Disrespect was banned for, like, what, three days for taking pictures in a public restroom or whatever? Um, well, and, and now for no disclosed reason apparently has a permanent ban from Twitch right after they partnered with him, which I think is really mind boggling. Yeah. And my guess is if he violated their terms of service or the, the, whatever, whatever was in their contract, my guess is he doesn't get that money, you know? So, um, I, I mean, for some reason people have a hard time saying this, but fuck Dr. Disrespect, man. Fuck that guy. Like he has proven like, to be a shitty human being in every aspect. And I don't understand if people are like afraid of offending his audience, but fuck you too. Like the guy acts like an asshole everywhere he goes all the time. And he always says it's like part of his character. Fuck you. Like you're not a fucking character actor. You're a douchebag on Twitch TV. Like get fucking grow up, man. I fucking hate that guy. (laughs) And I hope he's gone forever. Speaking of guys, I hope are fucking gone forever. Uh, Donald <laughs> Trump's uh, Twitch channel also got suspended for uh, violating the terms of service because guess what? He's a fucking racist asshole, bigot, misogynist, and shouldn't be allowed. Speaking of people who shouldn't have a fucking Twitter account, man, Jesus Christ, man. Anyway, I'm fired guys, up. Can you yeah, imagine? Guys, can you imagine the timeline we're in that? the president of the United States not only has a Twitch channel, but is banned from the Twitch platform or sorry, suspended from the Twitch platform. Yeah. I would literally at this point, pick any other timeline. I don't care. (laughs) Just get me out of it. We're halfway through 2020 and I I will opt out if I can. Yeah. Well, good on Twitch though. I mean, that it's cool that they have the balls to do that. They're just like, Hey, you've already got, you know, Fox News, you don't need this platform to spread your hate as well. Like, Exactly. It, Find your, yeah, it, I don't know. It's been encouraging to see platforms like Twitter and Facebook begrudgingly and Twitch and YouTube finally, finally, finally step up and start doing something about the spread of white supremacy and white nationalism on mm-hmm. their platforms. Yeah. It's been far too long. So good on them, but you're late to the party. Agreed. Yeah. Better late than never, but never well, is better. Fuck that shit. <laughs> fuck that segment. Let's talk about our mostly normal question. <laughs> yeah, I like it. What is your favorite game from when you were 12? I'll go first. Chris came up with this one. I'm going to yeah. go first. Please go first. 
Do it. StarCraft. Oh. It nice. came out it came out in 1998, which is the year that I was 12. And that is awesome. Yeah, I played the shit out of that game and I just remember I mean, I'm sure this happens to every kid who like who's ever played a video game, but um just like being addicted to this thing and it's like during summer break like in the middle of a saturday like in summer like inside playing starcraft and my mom forcing me to go out and play which was fine you know we rode bike yeah. and did plenty up back in the day but um it's like one of those first memories where go outside and play like <laughs> <laughs> i don't wanna yeah i want i've got a oh man i don't even remember the name the terrans I've got the a Terrans. new Terran campaign. <laughs> yeah. The Zerg, the Terrans. Oh, dude, I was all about the Protoss. Protoss. There you go. You all pulled it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I similarly lucked out. It seems like being 12 and having video games go hand in hand because mine is Super Smash Brothers Melee, which, oh, like, nice. let's go. Um, It continues to be one of my favorite series, obviously. Maybe just from my tone of voice. I don't know why that's obvious to anyone. Um, So... I loved it then. I loved it in high school. I loved it when my friend Jordan Ja Falk came and just messed us up in high school <laughs> and taught us that you don't play this game with items and you don't play it with the fun mini game modes. And what you <laughs> actually do is do five stock final or four stock final destination with a 10 minute time limit or whatever that specific version is. Um, and I love it now. Um, it, it's incredible, and I feel I can't believe I was 12 when I was playing that. I I simultaneously feel like that's too young and too old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've never gotten into Smash Brothers, man. Like I know we talked about this last week, but well, at least the three of us did. It wasn't on the podcast, but the first one I played was the new one, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate or whatever. Uh, Talk about I a, can... a overwhelming game to start with. <laughs> oh, for sure, man. And I don't like this game because it's dating me because i think i was in college when super smash brothers melee came out but i have to say i think my favorite was donkey kong country because it was awesome man it was the first time i played a donkey kong game you could like ride the rails and jump and throw these fucking barrels at these little rat looking things and then it blew up and you got stuff and also i think this was the game where before it came out, or maybe it was the one that was out on Nintendo 64, but I want to say it was the one for Super Nintendo, Donkey Kong Country, which is the one I'm talking about, where you got a VHS tape in the mail. Somehow I got a VHS tape in the mail about this game. Interesting. Like uh, developers talking about it or something. And it next time like... I go back to Nebraska, I'm going to look hard for it. But, uh, yeah. It's... it's like a DVD magazine, but... yeah. <laughs> With VHS and super old. But before. Yeah. Uh, but just of note, man, like it's hard to pick. Sadly, I didn't play Super Metroid until it came out on the SNES thing for Switch. I had never played that game. And that came out in 1994 also. And also, my runner-up is Earthworm Jim, man. Because I, <laughs> I don't, I love that game, man. Same, I loved Earthworm Jim. Yeah. The side scroller DNA is strong. I can see yeah, where it has its roots. Comes from, man. And Super Star Wars Jedi or uh, Return of the Jedi, I guess, came out that year. It was a it was an all right year for video games. Did you get the chance to play Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze either on the Wii U or on Switch? 
at all? Yeah, I 100% of that game on Switch, man. <laughs> I'm very glad that you played it. That is, speaking of my friend Jordan Falk, I played through that couch co-op with him a couple years ago on the, oh, I thanks. think back when it was on the Wii U and just the time of my life. And I, you know, I don't have a lot of familiarity with that series. So it was awesome and really hard. Even I'm just so bad at it, but yeah, delightful game. It takes a long time to get the timing down and everything, but once you get it, like you get it, I feel like it, but they're, they're fun, man. It's, it's a challenge, but it's so much fun to come back to, but for sure. Anywho, we're, we've made a long one today, gentlemen. So, AJ, why don't you take us out, bro? All right. That does it for our show today. Thank you, listener, so much for joining the podcast this week. Chris, thank you for joining us today. Your very first episode. Yeah, thank you both for having me. This is a dream come true, and I'm so happy that I got to do this with you all. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Do uh, you want to let people know where they can find you? Uh, follow along with everything you're up to on those internets yeah uh the best place uh you know since this is a gaming oriented show uh would be at my video game specific twitter which is at vg occasion all one word all lowercase at vg occasion it is where i mostly retweet things about video games but i would love to connect with people there awesome john what about you i am at johnny samsonite on the twitter all right. You can find me on Twitter at AJ underscore ID. That's E-I-D-E. Once again, if you want to contribute to the content, you can send emails to podcast at MostlyNormalGamers.com. Follow us on Twitter at MNGamersPodcast. Sign up for our emailing list at MostlyNormalGamers.com. Also, go to whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on and give us five stars. That's super helpful. For now, go play some video games. Yeah, yeah. Bye. 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 Bye.